ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. I mean, it's always been like the childhood dream want to go to the tour and race there and sort of like a 20-year dream. Pretty nervous, but also like super excited. That is cyclist Jai Hindley. In an age of hardened professional sport, there's something warm and fuzzy about hearing a grand tour winner speaking about the thrill of competing in his dream race. This is a bloke who's already won the Giro d'Italia, getting butterflies from taking on the Tour de France this weekend when the peloton departs Spain and rides its way across France in three weeks of gruelling racing. Can Hindley contend? What other Australians might put their names up in lights? And how will the peloton cope with growing levels of fear after a horrific recent crash? Today, we'll hear from Phil Liggett and Hindley about the road to Paris. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. For many, when you think of the sound of cycling in your mind's eye, Phil Liggett is who you hear calling the action. Cadell Evans, the first Australian to win the Tour de France. Phil's been good enough to join us and preview another Tour de France. Phil, you know Australians can be a parochial bunch. Jai Hindley is the man (laughs) we can't help but zero in on. How much of a threat is he in this year's Tour de France? Well, if you listen to all the talk, uh, he's a big threat because, as you know, he came as a bit of a surprise when he took out the Giro d'Italia, the Tour of Italy, last year. Jai Hindley becomes the first Australian to win the Giro d'Italia. Hindley has created history. Uh, He didn't ride it this year because he then set his sights on the Tour de France. He's been injured a little bit. Uh, He's had a rocky season, uh, but he has pulled himself around. He's had some good results in the last few weeks. And I think uh, the Aussies are expecting a lot from him. When I first started watching bike racing, I was watching the the highlights with my old man of the tour back in 2002, 2003. So really like a long time ago. And I remember watching it then already and thinking like, yeah, I really want to do that when I'm older. I really want to race the tour. And yeah, here we are. He's making his debut in the Tour de France, uh, which is like no other race, of course. You can't compare it, and and this is his target. I, he says his form is coming. He comes from Perth, and he said that, uh, well, he, you just don't know. Everybody who's been a professional in the world of cycling knows that, first of all, the first the public asks you, have you ridden the Tour de France? And if the answer is no, you're out. Uh, he's going to get the honour of riding the Tour de France. And I think he'll find the pressure because the Aussies have got a big entry this year. 11 riders so far. The Australian Cup, it's pretty hotly contested at the moment. I really fancy Jai to impress. He's a good competitor. Uh, and there are others who can win stages. And also with people like Caleb Ewan, they can probably win sprint stages as well. So a near record entry of Australians with 11 riders. And I think they'll be impressive. His form, as you touch on, it's been somewhat mixed in 2023. But do you think the fact he's achieved what he did in the Giro last year will give him a level of belief? Well, he certainly knows he can do it. And uh, as I said, at the time, he swung it round to the leadership quite late on in the Giro last year. Uh, He only led for two days before he took the race out. Uh, and it was a surprise at the time, but with the way he rode after he got into that leader's jersey was no surprise. He was strong. I really, really enjoy the Grand Tour racing. It's probably my favourite style of racing, you know what I mean? It's probably suits me the best as well. 
compared to one day and one week races. So yeah, I think I can have a bit of confidence in that. Mm. But uh, yeah, again, like the tour is the pinnacle of the sport and it's like a different level compared to the other the other two, I mean, probably just different in in its own way with the with the pressure and and just the sheer size to the event. It's massive, so yeah, pretty nervous, but also like super excited. And and as so often happens, if you become a kind of a surprise winner of a Grand Tour, the three Grand Tours are are Italy, France, and Spain, uh, then you are going to become a marked man. You'll find it quite hard to compete after that. Every time he makes a move, he'll be counted. He has been injured. I think he hurt his knee uh, early on in the year. It's all cleared up. And so I think that um, he's got the confidence to go forward. He's on a very good team. He's on the German squad. And uh, and they're going to protect, protect him. He is their leader. And if you've got the strength of seven other top professional bike riders to give him the confidence when his morale gets down, maybe, to go and get rough. This is a very tough course. But having said that, it's a course which will suit Jai's climbing styles. And uh, we're racing from Spain right across from the south uh, west of France, virtually cutting out all the north of France this year and all the way up to Brittany. It's all gone. We're going straight across the country. Now, if you know France, you're going to plow through the mountains from the minute you start. One and two are already full GC days, but five and six are like proper mountain days already in the first week, which I think is like untraditional for the tour. So it's really interesting. Phil, I spoke to you last year about another Australian in Ben O'Connor who didn't really deliver in the manner we might have hoped, but he's just finished really strongly in the Dauphiné. Do you think he could have better fortune in the Tour de France this year? Again, Ben O'Connor has got the confidence now to, to do well, and he's one of the listed riders for the GC um, along with uh, with Jai Hindley. Everybody's saying the same thing. There's two guys only can win this year's Tour de France, and that is Tadej Pogacar, the youngster from Slovenia, and also uh, the guy that won last year, Jonas Vingago. Pogacar fights, Vingegaard, Pogacar! Yellow jersey wins the stage! Pogacar wins, Vingegaard comes to an absolute standstill. Both of them can't go wrong this year. And even the riders are saying they're in a different world. We're not even on that planet when these guys are racing. So they are the hottest favourites. So everybody's saying we're all racing for the third place finish on the podium in Paris. But, you know, as history shows, things happen on a three-week stage race. Uh, People crash, sadly. Um, Things go wrong. The form suddenly leaves them. The weather changes. Uh, the heat of the mountain suddenly becomes the freezing temperatures at the top of the climbs. So things can go wrong in three weeks. And if they make a mistake, people like O'Connor, I think, could profit. He's had, he finished, started out well strong in the Tour Down Under in Adelaide, sixth in January. Then he, his big one was a podium place in the build-up uh, of the Dauphiné. And then uh, they're going to the Tour with confidence and knowing that there's 11 Australians uh, facing up the wicket this time, which is great. You touch on Pogacar and Vingegaard, and it seems like a classic modern-day yeah. rivalry. I mean, you've seen a lot of rivalries in your five-plus decades covering cycling. What do you really appreciate about this particular rivalry? Well, for, for Pogacar, he's, he's headed, he's coming now. He's won the Tour de France, of course, and he's, he's won it twice, and he knows and he, when he stole it away from his countryman and rival, uh, Roglic, a couple of years ago on the Plateau de Belfiche in a time trial. And Tadej Pogacar winning the Tour de France for a second time out of two. The biggest uh, fear about Tadej Pogacar is that he just loves riding a bike and he doesn't feel pressure. And he's almost smiling when he attacks. 
Um, but he's met, uh, he met his match last year in Vingago. Uh, he's a fish packer, uh, Vingago. He's 26 now, but he was when he started pro cycling, he was putting wet fish in boxes uh, where he comes from in Denmark. And uh, he's a magical bike rider. He's won 10 races this year. The crowd warmly welcoming the yellow jersey who will ride tomorrow into Paris as the winner of the 2022 Tour de France. Jonas Vengegaard finishes. He's, he's measured his effort. He's just chose his races, gone for them, proven to be untouchable in them. For example, in the Tour de Pays Basque, which is where we start the Tour de France this year. Uh, it's the Basque country of Spain in the north, uh, Bilbao. He's going to be very popular with everybody, including the Basque, because he's known now, having won their race back in April. And then he went to the Dauphiné this year, just a, a couple of weeks ago, and he won that and two stages as well. He's brought his total wins to 10 already. He doesn't race every week. And I think this is the new trend with these youngsters. They don't tire themselves out uh, preparing. They just disappear and, and train hard, usually at altitude. And so I think that uh, we're facing up to a great battle because the Poggers, we call him, the Poggers won 13 races this year. So the, the guy is on form. I think this kid and Vingago are streets ahead. And the racing starts really on day one because we're, we're you know, in the north of Spain is quite hilly. It's not excruciatingly hilly. It is the gateway to the uh, to the Pyrenees, the way the race leaves. So I think the, the, the contenders have to start playing the game from day one of 21. Another big attack from Pogaccia. And finally, he's got a little bit of a gap on Vengegaard. But look at Vengegaard. He's absolutely flying his way across to the wheel of Pogaccia. Phil, the death of Swiss competitor Gino Mada in the Tour of Switzerland, it's cast a dark cloud over all cycling, I think, in, in recent weeks. How is that incident colouring the lead into this event from where you sit? Well, it's brought reality to what is becoming quite a dangerous sport. The cycling world is in mourning after the death of Gino Meda, who sadly passed away at the age of 26 after injuries sustained in a high-speed crash on stage five of the Tour de Suisse. Uh, that, that descent which uh, Gino crashed on was, was a dangerous descent, but it's been used, I think, 17 times before, and there's never been, to my knowledge, a serious crash on it. Look, cycling is no longer sport for individuals these guys are now sticking together on the major climbs they're using bikes which are lighter than they've ever been the bicycles are restricted now to just on six and a half kilograms because any lighter and a good gust of wind and you'll be you need parachutes when you're going down these these mountains uh, 100 110 kilometers an hour can be pretty easily attained i've actually followed a rider down a mountain at 110 k in a car in a bike race and I really thought he wasn't going to make the left-hand turn. Uh, I certainly wasn't in my car because the car wouldn't get round as good as a bike. Uh, he got round, but I, I certainly slammed the brakes on. I was caught by a Russian cyclist when I used to be director of the British uh, Tour of Britain. He come come alongside my lead car at 70 miles an hour I was going because I looked at the speedometer and asked me to go quicker. I just couldn't believe it. I was I, Actually, I was having an ice cream in the front seat. I didn't see him coming. Let's end with something upbeat, Phil. It's your 51st <laughs> tour this year. Tell us why it still excites you. I just love the event, and I never see the same event twice. And, of course, this year I'm, I'm so keyed up because it's going to be such a clash of the titans. The nicest thing of the, of the event last year was the way Pogacic put his arm around Vingago because 
they just hugged each other after the race was won by Vingago because they were two young lads, uh, so good, so competitive. It was pure competition and sportsmanship. And uh, sure, the best man won. And well, I'm not just sure that uh, Vingago will beat Bogaccia this time out, but we'll find out. Phil, it gets underway very shortly. We're so excited uh, to soak it all up. Thanks so much for previewing it for us. We appreciate it. Very great. Thank you very much, Patrick. Headlines, an independent report into English cricket, which drew on evidence from more than 4,000 players, coaches, administrators and fans, has found the sport suffers from widespread and deep-rooted racism and sexism at all levels of the game, while calling for reform. Heavy stuff. England captain Ben Stokes says he has not yet read the 300-plus page report, but is deeply sorry for those that have experienced hardship. Aussie rules and seven men have been inducted into the Hall of Fame, including Sam Mitchell, Jimmy Bartell, Corey Enright, Michael Aish, Tom Lee and Bruce McAvaney. Port Adelaide Premiership coach Mark Choco-Williams was also selected and used his moment to support the AFL's position on the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. I think, you know, I really admire the AFL for talking and standing up for the yes vote for the voice. I am political. I am saying that we have to do the right thing and understand how bloody hard it is for the Aboriginal players to uh, to uh, make their way in the AFL. We need to support them. We need to understand them. When we get them there, make sure that we give them opportunity and then absolutely demand the best from them and expect the best. I want them to be best on ground, not just making up the numbers and uh, grand final day. That's what we saw when uh, Port Adelaide won. Parramatta playmaker Dylan Brown has pleaded guilty to two charges of sexual touching without consent and was sentenced to a community correction order for 18 months. The NRL has confirmed the no-fault stand-down condition will no longer apply to Brown. The game's integrity unit will now conduct a further review. And Brisbane and Queensland fullback Reese Walsh has been suspended for three games for contrary conduct, or to say it plainly, swearing at a referee. Obviously, um, pretty disappointed in um, the outcome, but um, I accept the decision of the panel. And you know, obviously, I know that I'm a role model to young kids and the community. And you know, I'm going to continue to work hard and um, be better in you know those areas that I need to get better at. The 20-year-old had tried to argue he was actually giving a spray to his teammate, but the Bronco was found guilty. He is now out of Origin 3, which opens the door for Caelan Ponga to return to the Queensland side as the Maroons chase a clean sweep of the series. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Declan Byrne. Thanks to SBS, Fox Sports, Channel 9, Eurosport and Velen for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.